everyone, and welcome to episode 11 of the High Sensitivity Gaming Podcast. If it's your first time here, we share our opinions and review games and movies we watched, and also have rants once a month. My name is Barry. My name is Craig. And we go ahead and we start with the news section of our podcast, which was a pretty big news week for the most part for video games, at Mm -hmm. least compared to other weeks. So first one I'll start off with, Mm -hmm. uh, which was, I guess, kind of the most important one to me or even probably even you was the ghost of Tsushima demo yeah uh so playstation released a state of play for may and it was all focused on a f- about 18 to 20 minutes just based on ghost of Tsushima gameplay and how the game plays and how it's gonna look uh this game nobody really knew about for sure you didn't know how it played or how it looked i still don't know how it plays yeah uh even after that but you get that this game is going for super stylish it really after watching the gameplay they always continued saying oh we want this to be like you're you know watching a samurai movie of like olden times you can even set filters so that it's black and white like old samurai movies so they i get what sucker punch is trying to do with goes to Tsushima, i just hope it hits because like for me i'm excited about the game but i know based on how we were talking you're a little bit more nervous yeah because i mean we didn't have a podcast back when breath of the wild came out but a lot of people were comparing like hey this is gonna play kind of like breath of the wild you know kind of open do what you want and breath of the wild i figured out pretty quickly when i got my switch was not for me so them comparing it to this is kind of I don't know. It's kind of toned down my excitement for this game a little bit. I'm still going to try it, but I'm not as hyped up as I was for it. I don't think. Yeah. Like the couple of the things that I liked about the demo was the fact that it's going for like this minimalistic HUD, which compared to playing games like, and I'll get into it. I've been playing the Assassin's Creed games, origin and Odyssey and continue to play Breakpoint with a friend of mine. Um, like these really clout crowded huds with your compass the map your objectives your health your ammo and everything like that like it gets very crowded and becomes very cluttered i like that this game is going for super minimalistic where to the point where if you want to go someplace there's not even like a a dot of where you're supposed to go it's supposed to they're using this guiding wind feature which will kind of make it obvious which direction you need to go to get to the place you're going. Yeah. I just don't like for me, what turned me off on breath of the wild was basically them, you know, same thing that I've gone on before about games, not knowing what I'm supposed to do. So as long as they're giving me some sort of, you know, like, Hey, you should be heading this way. I think I'll be okay. Um, But I'm definitely just hesitant about it. It does look super stylish. I think it's going to be a ton of fun to play. I like Sucker Punch's games. Like Infamous was great. All three of them were great. So, I mean, going off their track record, I'm, I'm going to assume that I'm going to like it. Yeah. Like, and we talked about it before. The one main thing that uh, makes me nervous about this game is they went ahead and highlighted two types of gameplay, uh, the samurai and the ghost portion and the ghost seems all, and being and acting like a ghost which is what they go like is the silent killer use every dirty trick in the book you're not a samurai at all seems like the type of gameplay that a lot of people would go for yeah only because the samurai 
you, he finished everybody off with one swing. And I don't know whether or not that's just a button or if it's going to be a couple buttons I have to press. But if it's something where like I just time the X or square button in order to kill a man, it's not going to be that fun or engaging. Yeah. So I don't and, know. Maybe maybe if you're playing like I didn't fully comprehend like are they saying you get to choose like between those two so based on the gameplay it was kind of like the samurai is you can kind of choose for the most part but when they use the ghost portion it was during night and then the samurai Mm -hmm. version was during the day okay so i imagine you can choose between you know doing it doing that portion and playing that type of way at whatever time you want i'm gonna go with because if they try to force it on you, then if you don't like playing as a samurai, then you're just going to be playing the game at the dead of night all the time in the in game world, at least. Yeah, it could be kind of cool if they give you the option, because, you know, playing as a samurai could almost kind of be like a Sekiro type game, you know, like a parry and block and then finish move. And then if you want to go the ghost route, it could almost be like a Splinter Cell game almost. Yeah. Um, so kind of. To me, it kind of seemed like they were giving you the option of two completely different ways to play the game, which is cool because for me, not being good at like a Sekiro or a Dark Souls type game, I would go more towards the Splinter Cell type sneak around and take people out game. Yeah, and so that's kind of our early impressions of Ghost of Tsushima. Hopefully we know more about it. This game is about, I think, less than two months away now. I think yeah. it comes out July 17th, exactly. So... We have PlayStation's in for a big month. You have, we have The Last of Us 2 next month, which is really hard for me to believe in all honesty, considering that I feel like just two months ago they said, we have no clue when it's coming out. And now, it's, <laughs> now it feels like it's snuck up on me in a weird way. So Yeah. Side note on The Last of Us, though, um, the announcement of their PS4 Pro version of The Last of Us coming out, like the console. I did um, see that. It's it's okay, but I just don't I don't see the point of companies doing this this late into a uh, console because we have the new ones this fall. Like who is who's putting out four hundred dollars for a PS4 Pro when the PS5 is coming out less than six months from now? Yeah, Sony's been really weird with that. Like Xbox definitely hasn't done it to the point that Sony has, mm-hmm. but I feel for the most part like one. Sony knows that this is kind of their last huge game selling console, you know, console selling game. Yeah. The Last of Us 2. And I do, and I do have to admit the, the, the console edition looked pretty tame. Yeah. I really didn't see It was like it leaves much. or something on the side. Yeah. So yeah. they're not going super extravagant like they did with the, um, with like the, I think okay. the Spider-Man one is pretty... Yep this pretty extravagant the god of war one was also pretty extravagant as well kingdom hearts you see the kingdom hearts one and y- yes i have the kingdom hearts one i know all kingdom hearts fans bow down before me uh that one like i think is kind of tame still because if you have it hidden like i do like it's just black you really can't see the uh i guess the faux leather type feel but enough about my console <laughs> you need to have that up on display for everybody to see See, when the PS5 <laughs> comes out, I'm going to get a glass case. I'm putting okay. the console in there with the controller, and then all Kingdom Hearts fans can come and pay me $50 <laughs> just to come and sniff the console. There you go. That's the way to do it. <laughs> um, okay. How about 
So I think we talked a little bit. I don't remember if we did or not last week about the Mafia remaster. Yeah, we did mention okay. a little bit. So as of today, they had another video that they put out and some interesting things came out about it. So Mafia 2 and Mafia 3, which Mafia 3 was already on Xbox One and PS4, um, and Mafia 2 was on 360 and PS3. As of today, those two are out and you can buy them uh, digitally. So okay. what was kind of threw me off a little bit is they kind of touted this as like a, you know, a big remaster of the trilogy, which to me, I enjoy the trilogy a lot. So I was excited. Uh, two and three are not remasters. Three is literally the same game that came out a couple of years ago. They just added all the DLC. They're calling it the definitive edition. And then the Mafia 2 is also being called a definitive edition. And it's all the DLC. They did upconvert it to 4K, but it is not a remaster. Um, and then the first Mafia does not come out until August, but it will be a full remaster. So they're completely redoing that game from the ground up, which is cool, but kind of threw me off. So you can pay $60 right now through your console and download Mafia 2 and 3. And then when the first one comes out in August, you'll get it as well. But I guess they're also doing a physical copy of just the first Mafia remastered for 40 bucks. Um, I don't know if they're doing a physical like edition for all three. They haven't announced anything. Just kind of didn't, I wasn't irritated. It just kind of bummed me out a little bit that it doesn't really look like they did anything with the second one, which in my opinion, out of all the three is my favorite. So that's the one I was kind of excited for. And I already have it on 360. So I don't really need to buy the definitive edition, but I probably will anyway. But I just thought it was interesting that they're not remastering all three after they kind of threw it out there as they were. Yeah, just like I've I've never played much of the Mafia games, just me personally. They haven't been my type. But I I just want I kind of wonder what's the reason for all of the for all of this like, oh, let's get Mafia two and three back out right away. Mm -hmm. And then people have time to play, you know, the first one in August when the new systems are coming out as well. So it, yeah, and they're not. This isn't announced for the new consoles either. It's just uh, Xbox One, PS4, and PC for the first Mafia. Yeah, we're they're probably going to hope for the most part that it's backwards compatible, at least right. with Xbox. I don't know what PlayStation's doing with their backwards compatibility, of course. Yeah, and but, maybe this is a step of them, you know, towards trying to get interest for another Mafia game, maybe next gen. So that would be cool, but also there's rumors of another GTA on next gen as well. So that'd be some stiff competition for him. Yeah, especially considering that, like once the new once a new GTA comes out, that game is going to sell. Just yep, <laughs> it's hard to imagine it like beating GTA Five expectations and sales, but I can't see how it doesn't because that game is literally something just everybody buys. Yep. Yeah, it's crazy. And then the next up for me, it seems like I have all the PlayStation news this week. Uh, (laughs) We did get to see the Unreal Engine 5 running Mm -hmm. on a PS5, which is kind of the first inkling we have for anything PS5-wise. Even games, we really don't know anything about the games. Uh, One, they did mention that this was a demo game. This isn't like, it's a real game, but they're not progressing it or making it. It was just for the hopes and getting people to see what unreal uh, unreal engine 5 look like 
uh, t- to me, it, it looked really nice. Uh, I thought the game, I thought whatever game they were showing off looked really Tomb Raider-ish, which is what, like, all the YouTubers use. Like, Linus Tech Tips use that games to, like, judge how good the game or monitors look and everything like that. Mm-hmm. So, I'm... I'm excited for, of course, the new consoles. I'm really hoping that they live up to everybody's expectations. I just thought it was interesting that they decided to play it on PS5. Sony had to have, like, threw some money at them and went, hey, play it on PlayStation or something. Yeah, and also it was kind of interesting that afterwards people had asked them, like, hey, is this, you know, is this also running on Xbox and they wouldn't confirm it and neither would Microsoft, which kind of lends you to believe that Sony kind of paid for the exclusive, you know, first look at Unreal Engine 5. But also, I mean, it works because even though they don't 100% say, hey, this is running on a PS5, it's, you know, running on software compatible to a PS5, it doesn't matter because everybody's saying like, hey, did you see the PS5 graphics? And you can't really say that for Xbox right now. So them however much Sony paid to get the exclusive first look at this was probably money well spent. Yeah. And PS five needs to start hyping up some news for them. Mm-hmm. I know that they said the game announcements will be coming soon, whether or not that's in June or July when E3 was supposed to happen is completely still up in the air. So yeah, uh, it's definitely see interesting. what happens with that. Yeah. Yeah. So we also had, uh, if you haven't, turned on your Xbox, at least for us, or your PlayStation today, there was a big Warzone update, or Call of Duty update. Um, right. Just, just <laughs> another 30, 40 gigs or whatever it was. Um, the big thing with that, though, is on Warzone, there's been some bunkers that have been locked. And the last update, they kind of spread some key cards that you could pick up throughout the map, but they didn't really do anything. So now uh, the key cards now open the bunkers. And inside is kind of like how Apex did it, where there's a bunch of like uh, high tier loot inside. Okay. Um, so they're kind of going the Apex route there, but also inside of the bunkers, there's computers uh, that are, you know, some sort of Russian dialogue going on there. There's also another door inside that uses another key card that nobody knows anything about yet. So they're continuing to kind of tease out, I guess, a story in Warzone or something along those lines. But I just thought it was kind of interesting that, you know, you can finally get in there and people were, I think, expecting something big. And then they got in there and it was just a bunch of the orange, like high grade loot crates inside. But (laughs) (laughs) I guess we see where it goes from here. Yeah. Like to me, I feel like they have to be starting to drum up, you know, some sort of trailer or something for the new call of duty. So mm-hmm. maybe if Warzone is what everybody's going to start going to, even the new developers start working with Warzone or something like that, maybe this is a tease for the next Call of Duty. I don't know. Just a Yeah, could be. Just a thought, at least. Uh, <laughs> next one is uh, Nintendo just kind of surprise dropped a new, tr- uh, new Paper Mario game. It's called yes. Paper Mario the Origami King. I really liked the old Paper Mario games. I never finished them because my brain was too small at the time. <laughs> uh, but a lot of people have been wanting a new Paper Mario game that's not the A Thousand Year Door. Luckily, they didn't remaster the A Thousand Year Door, and are uh, and are making looks like what uh, a new fresh a new fresh take 
and a callback to the older ones. I just really like the art style of the Paper Mario series. Yeah, they they look really good. Um, on every console that Paper Mario's ever come out on, I've always thought it looked fantastic. And the fact that they just dropped it and they're like, hey, it's coming out in July. It's crazy. Like just out of nowhere. And it's like, hey, it'll be out in a couple months. Yeah, Nintendo's been doing a good job of like keeping interest in their console and not having to wait six plus months for the uh, for the next game. Like we have Xenoblade, a definitive edition, I think, coming out next week. Mm hmm. And then you have the new Paper Mario, which both games were kind of announced with two month windows. And then it's like, okay, here they are. You've seen it. You don't have to wait long. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. And also just uh, this was kind of an interesting one I saw uh, the other day. Uh, There was I'm forgetting his name, but there was a pretty well-known person on the Internet who's good about digging up files that shouldn't be seen. Um, But he managed to get a working version of gears of war three that was running on a playstation three um really yeah so he uploaded about an eight hour video of him playing gears of war three on the playstation three which is just wild um i don't know why it exists uh you know microsoft and has not commented i highly doubt they will but it's kind of interesting that maybe this was something they were thinking about about going cross-platform with it I know Microsoft owns, you know, the Gears franchise, but it's just weird that this is out there for whatever reason. And the guy who has it did say that as far as he knows, he's the only person who has this uh, working version on the PS3, which is, you know, one of those weird things that we'll probably never know why it exists, but it's out there and it exists. Yeah, and I guess that has to do with a lot of the take on what, you know, everybody says the best thing for gaming is for everything to stop being exclusive. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, we have things like MLB going to Xbox, things uh, like Kingdom Hearts now isn't just a PlayStation exclusive. You can now play the entire series on Xbox as well. So whether it's a good thing for the industry or not, I guess is still up for debate. But uh, if there was one series that I think Microsoft would actually be willing to, to kind of share with PlayStation, it, to me, it's Gears of War. It's not as big as Halo or as big as some of their other properties. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know. It, it doesn't surprise me that that's the game. If it was Halo or something like that playing on PlayStation, it'd be really confusing and weird. <laughs> yeah, it would. And maybe it's just like a concept thing just to see, you know, how it ran or whatever. But it's out there. Yeah. Uh, the next two things for me are just kind of smaller and news that more matters to me. Uh, mm-hmm. One, I know I've been bagging on Scorn lately the past two <laughs> podcasts, and it's going to continue. I watched the gameplay for this uh, game, I'm going to call it, I guess. And (laughs) it's not like Agony, where it was kind of more puzzle-like and more... I don't even know what Agony was, I'll be completely honest. Uh, But Scorn is a shooter, which completely took me by surprise, because I didn't think this game... I thought this game was going to be a walking fear simulator. At least it seemed like that's what it was going to be. But that's what happens when you don't show gameplay and only show a trailer. So true, true. <laughs> the the gameplay, like the monsters, of course, it's the whole game is very graphic. Like it's definitely meant to be, you know, flesh and bones and kind of like it's meant to give you this disgusting feel, which I did feel through the, the gameplay, I guess. Uh, I'm just 
Like, I'm just so surprised that it's a shooter because never in my life did I think, oh yeah, let's make this shoot, let's make this a shooter game. And they, like, they, you can tell that they took time with their reloading animation because, and I'm, I can't even explain. Yeah, I'm watching it. I'm watching it right now. And it's, uh, let's just say the weapons are very fleshy. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Like, and, and in that gameplay trailer, like he switches from a pistol type thing where he's reloading every single individual shot, and they're like these little pellets, it looks like. Mm-hmm. But then he takes off the pistol part of the gun and like mounts a shotgun part to it or something. Right. It's it's really hard to explain. If you're old enough to watch it, you know, watch it, or if you're not freaked out by it, you can watch it. But the the game the gameplay, of course, after Xbox, you know, got all that criticism for not showing gameplay. Uh, I kind of understand why they didn't show gameplay for Scorn in <laughs> my own way. If this game ends up being like a million dollar seller, ten out of ten reviews or something, I will eat my words heavily here. But uh, until then, like it's my weekly bagging of Scorn. <laughs> it seems like I would say this. It kind of feels like. Uh, they're going for a Doom vibe, right? But like a more grotesque version of Doom, um, especially with the weapons. But the big thing here is if they had this, why did they not show it at the Xbox press conference? I <laughs> Like if you have this gameplay and they were touting gameplay, why would you not put it out there unless it just wasn't ready yet? Um, but yeah, it doesn't... Nothing about it is... Uh, Im- I guess impressive to me. I mean, the graphics are good. It looks great, but I, I don't know. It doesn't look entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> but I will also agree with you that I don't think it's going to do very well. Yeah, and then the smaller thing for me as well is I was a big fan of Anthem. I know that I'm in the very, very small majority of this, but they keep talking about a 2.0 reboot where they're going to be changing a lot of stuff and, you know, making the game what a lot of people wanted it to be in the first place. They announced the reboot team and were like, oh yeah, we're making it. It's coming. Just be prepared. And then they later said that, oh, the team is really small. Don't expect this de- uh, sorry, Anthem refresh for a while. So <laughs> for me, it's just kind of surprising because you would think BioWare ADA just want to scrap everything they have with anthem and throw it away yeah but it looks like bioware is like kind of committed to trying to right their wrong with this game it just feels like if you're not bringing out this update for a while you know the game is eventually going to be you know ten dollars and you expect people to buy it after yeah the new consoles are going to come out and all of this other stuff it just feels like i hope they're not wasting effort here i hope this refresh you know reimagines the game and brings people back to it because this was supposed to be a property that they were constantly updating like destiny but because of its failure they kind of left it to the wayside so i just uh you know if, if anybody's an anthem fan here you know great that's awesome but just don't expect uh don't expect people to start playing the game with you for a while still <laughs> it could be something too if they figure it out and they get it to somewhat, somewhat, you know, of a more playable version than it was. They could also do a re-release on next-gen console if they wanted to. 
what I'm afraid with a re-release is they're going to be like, oh, the PS4 and the Xbox One, that's, they weren't powerful enough to handle all the stuff we have with Anthem. Right. Get this edition because it's the definitive one. It's the one where this is everything we should have had in it to begin with. Yeah. And I just feel like that'd be a really crappy marketing strategy to do. Yeah. I mean, we did that. They did that with the first Destiny. I remember when it came out on Xbox One and also was on 360, like it was there on 360, but it was definitely not the version you wanted to play. Yeah. So I could they could do it, I guess. And then that's it for news for me. Yep. Anything else on your end? Nope, that was all in mine too. All right, and now I know we both have one lined up, but this is our monthly rant. Uh, Every (laughs) month I've dedicated one podcast a month to having a rant. For me, it's going to be about storage sizes on consoles and my fear for next-gen gaming for this. So this all started this morning when I woke up at 6 a.m. and was going to start playing COD. And when I woke up, I saw that there was a 30-gigabyte update, and I knew I wasn't going to get to play in time. before i had to go to work i know it seems very immature i guess or impatient but this got me thinking after all the research i've done about this stuff the game files themselves just continue to grow as we go later down this uh console generation and luckily it's a new one but this is a big fear of mine and i'm going to go over the gigabyte storage just before i start going into what my fear is for next gen Mm -hmm. so the new Call of Duty Modern Warfare, and I'm rounding up by maybe three or four gigabytes, is 190 gigabytes. <laughs> That's almost one-fifth of your console. Mm-hmm. And if you're like me, I have Star Wars on there, which itself is 109 gigabytes. I have Forza Horizon, which is 87 gigabytes. And the Halo Collection, which is 100 gigabytes. And I deleted this, but the Gears of War 4 was also 100 gigabytes. And right there, you're down to having less than 200 gigabytes for any sort of game, and three of these are exclusives right, to the console. And now I did, trust me, I'm not you know an Xbox hater. I did my research on PlayStation, but a lot of the games that are huge on PlayStation are also kind of big on Xbox. So take, for example, Destiny 2, on PlayStation is 160 gigabytes. Red Dead Redemption 2 averages 100 gigabytes on PlayStation and 88 on Xbox. And then the biggest file size I could find for an exclusive on the PlayStation was Uncharted 4 with 65 gigabytes. Mm -hmm. And me saying this, of course, is just throwing a lot of numbers right now, but... And I'm going into what my main fear for the next-gen consoles is. We already, with with how big file sizes are, if these consoles aren't one terabyte systems out of the gate, you, if I have to download Warzone for the next-gen consoles, it's 100 gigabytes right off the gate. If I have to download then or play or want to play the new call of duty that's at least going to be a hundred gigabytes at the end of this so i feel like we're continuing to grow these games and they're becoming bigger and bigger than ever but we aren't figuring out how to consolidate these sizes or give gamers uh a way to 
uh, start freeing up console space. Because for me, I only have like less than seven games on my Xbox because I'm playing with 20 gigabytes every time. And <laughs> God forbid the next time I up, you know, I turn on my Xbox. Oh, good. It's another 40 gigabyte update to Call of Duty. Mm-hmm. Let's see what I can get rid of now. <laughs> and my PlayStation, I feel like, doesn't have this much because on my PlayStation, I have games. I have like Death Stranding Digital, Days Gone Digital, I have Spider Man Digital, I have Assassin's Creed, all the Kingdom Hearts games. So I I don't know if this is just a problem that I'm having on my Xbox, but on my PlayStation I'm able to have a lot more games on there, and I'm not sure if the disc sizes are bigger on PlayStation. I didn't do that much research into this, but for next gen, if for whatever reason these consoles aren't one terabyte to start out with, we're gonna have a we're gonna have a problem where three months into the new the next gen gaming consoles we can only have five games on our consoles and we're gonna have to figure out what you know what can I delete to have to play this new game right yeah I mean I'm actually the opposite of you because I mean I have my Xbox is a one terabyte but I also have a four terabyte external plugged in so I don't usually have an issue with space on my Xbox but my PlayStation. Uh, is only 500 gigabytes, so I don't have an external plugged into it at all. And that's just because uh, the Xbox for me is my primary console. But just recently, I, I downloaded MLB The Show and Neo 2, and I had to go through and just delete a bunch of stuff. And I don't have a whole lot on there. Like, if I look at like my games that I have physically, I have Uncharted, I have God of War, um, and like I don't have any of those games installed because I needed the space. So it's definitely both consoles and it's definitely going to be an issue if they're only going to give us, you know, 500 gigabyte hard drives on the new consoles out of the out of the gate. We're going to be in trouble because I don't think the games are going to get smaller. They're just going to keep getting bigger. Yeah. And what then goes into the next point about my rant is the fact that for during the unreal engine 5 demo they were touting how ps5 has made these extraordinary steps when it comes to solid state drives if i need to buy an external solid state drive for my playstation console am i gonna have to buy this sony branded one that's 200 dollars yeah. for one terabyte like that's my fear is that i'm going to i'm going to have to invest 550 dollars into this console and that's on the high end i know Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, I'm going to buy a protection plan because all these consoles usually out of the gate have problems right. with uh, overheating. Then we're going to have to buy a external hard drive because five months down the line, half a year into the new gaming consoles, I'm going to need to, you know, get an external solid state drive. And it's really going to depend on whether or not they make, you know, Sony who's and they've been touting how their SSDs are these crazy fast better than pc ssds are am i gonna you know how much are they gonna be or are you gonna be able to get a regular ssd and just plug it in and be able to store stuff on there that would be great but ssds aren't really that cheap either especially one terabyte right yeah and i know microsoft since they're really the only ones who have talked about their console so far have said that like hey you know all the all your older games that you have on your external plug it into the series x and it'll it'll play right away but they haven't said anything about the new games because i highly doubt you're going to want to put you know whatever the new games are on your you know your non-solid state external hard drive 
that you had for your Xbox One. Exactly. Yeah, so we could be looking at that. You know, in my case, like four terabytes may seem like a lot, but I like to have, you know, pretty much every game that I own installed in case I want to play it. So I have, I think last time I checked was like 180 games and you have to factor in like a lot of those are the games with gold that I've just kind of collected. Um, but I think I've used over three terabytes so yeah. far. So, I mean, if we're getting to the point where if I want to keep all those to play on the new console, because I plan on getting rid of my Xbox one, cause I won't need it. I'm not going to have a whole lot of space. I may be able to put maybe two games on at a time and just constantly be deleting and reinstalling. It's not going to be fun. Yeah, well, that's the end of my rant. You know, if you guys haven't, if if you guys share the same opinion as mine, make sure to email us at highsensitivitypodcast at gmail dot com. And uh, I know, I know, Craig's got his rant already lined up. So let's let's go ahead and hear. Yours was a. Uh... It was pretty pretty tame. You didn't get too heated about it. Well, like I've I've had this fear for a while. Yeah. Uh, and it's just like it's starting to reach a tipping point where like and and unfortunately it's with COD, the game that all my friends play, the game that's cross platform, mm-hmm. so I can play with my brother who's on PlayStation. So it's like it seems like the biggest games, you know, like Call of Duty and Star Wars Battlefront, have these huge file sizes. Uh, that you know can blow up and destroy you know your your want to have more games on your console which is what which is what the you know the platformer wants you to do they want you to be able to play and buy all their games but if i don't have room for it then you know provide me with a solution (laughs) maybe what you should do then with call of duty is uh you should just install warzone on your playstation see and but then the problem is like there is i have call of duty uh like the the disc on my xbox Mm -hmm. so it automatically has all of the warzone stuff and if i were to download 100 gigabytes onto my playstation then -hmm. now my playstation's full (laughs) yeah because i know my playstation is on the you know also doesn't have that much space to to deal with right yeah i don't think there's really a good solution other than you know in an ideal world, these consoles would ship with a two terabyte or something, you know, but we know that's not going to happen. Yeah. (laughs) You know, unless there's a miracle and all the prices go down for all of like the storage costs. Yep. All right. So my rant is a little bit different and, you know, it's based on the fact that our podcast is pretty new. Um, We're not that far into it. So we're still kind of fresh into, you know, talking about games and, trying to play as many games as we can so we can talk about them. But my rant has come along. It's been kind of brewing for the last couple months here. But in general, I try to listen to a number of different podcasts uh, just to kind of get, you know, a feel of how other people handle, you know, how they do the news or how they talk about what games they're playing, not to, you know, steal their style, but just to see what works and what doesn't for me. Um, But my big thing that I've noticed on quite a few podcasts that I've listened to here is the amount of people who seem like they're burned out on video games who are doing gaming podcasts. And for me, again, we're new, so we haven't hit that burnout and we're not a big company where our job is to play games all the day, review them. And, you know, that's our job and make content 
all the time. We're doing it because we like to do it and we want to do it and because yeah. we enjoy video games. But I, it's like really starting to bother me the amount of people who just seem like they just hate video games, don't want to play them, but continue to do these podcasts where they can't even be bothered to play the games that are coming out, right? So like in general, if you take Final Fantasy, and I'm not going to single out podcasts here, but more than one, there was at least two podcasts where Final Fantasy has been out for a while. And every week I listen to this podcast and I'll be like, hey, anybody play Final Fantasy? Nah, I didn't get to it. Maybe I'll get to it in a month or two. I don't know. We'll see. You know, it's just like that kind of attitude of like, I don't really, you know, hey, what do you play this week? I don't really feel like playing anything. There's nothing good out right now. Um, you know, it's just like a, an attitude of, you know, gaming, gaming sucks. I don't want to play anything right now. There's nothing good. Like, you know, like I said before, it's not our job to play video games. It is their job. So I get the idea of being tired of constantly being surrounded by video games. But if you hate it that much, just don't do it anymore is I guess where I'm trying to go with it. Um, there's a lot of podcasts out there. There's a lot of people making content who genuinely love video games and enjoy playing them and will play pretty much every game that comes out just because they want to. And they're not getting the time of day or they're not getting the views because the people who do get the views just don't seem to care anymore. And maybe it's just me being old and cynical <laughs> and reading and reading too much into it. But like, it's just really starting to bother me. And I used to like, it used to be that like I had like four or five gaming podcasts lined up and in my older job, you know, my eight hour work schedule, I could have headphones in and listen to whatever I want. So I had all these podcasts lined up and my whole eight hour shift was just gaming podcasts. And like they were all enjoyable. It made the time go by really, really fast for me. And now like, you know, I can't have headphones in all the time where I'm at now, but even like I try to listen in the car, I'll put on a gaming podcast and it's just like a chore sometimes to kind of get through these podcasts because everybody's such a such a downer about gaming right now. Um, so that's that's pretty much my rant. And maybe it's just me. But if you hate it that much, please leave and let people who enjoy it, uh, you know, have a chance. <laughs> Yeah, it's, yeah, especially like, and I kind of feel that way too because, and um, I'll make my little spiel about this quick. Mm -hmm. But it, I, I felt this way when Persona Five Royal came out. Yep. And podcasts are bringing in specific people who have played it, but I don't have a connection with that person. Right. So, with with Persona Five Royal, yes, they bring in these guests, and yes, they have all these glowing reviews. But I don't listen to the podcast for them, for that guest. I listen to the podcast for their regular, you know, sh for the regular host of the show or the regular people they have on there. Mm -hmm. So getting getting to hear these reviews from people who are passionate about the game, of course, they're going to be a lot more positive. And sometimes they'll be the most critical. But yeah. to a lot of people who kind of wonder, you know, hey, is Persona 5 Royal a good starting point for me? They want to hear it from somebody who hasn't already invested the 100 hours into the game with the previous one. Yeah, They want to hear it from someone who hasn't played it or their view on it, which, and, and, and that's what I mean. It's just like, it feels like a lot of the bigger podcasts just kind of call on a friend 
to come in and ex- to come in and talk about and hype up the game rather than them playing it themselves and giving and giving a fresh new take on maybe a genre that they don't usually play. Yeah. And I, yeah. And kind of along your point there, like you spend all this time, like, you know, years, if you take like, for instance, you take uh, the bomb cast and beast cast, right? Like I've been listening to them for about three years now and you build kind of a relationship with them that, you know, certain people that like, Hey, if they say they like this game, I'm probably going to like it. Or if they say, you know, there's certain people on their podcast that if they say they like a game, I'm going to be like, oh, it's probably not going to be for me because what they like and I like doesn't usually line up. So for them, you know, to, to not play a game or to bring in somebody that you have no idea, it doesn't help you, especially like a Final Fantasy. For me, I knew I was going to buy it. But for somebody who never played Final Fantasy like yourself um, or even somebody who's like, oh, I never played Final Fantasy and I never liked RPGs. You need to have, you know, somebody from a podcast that, you know, you are kind of aligned with what type of games you like and for them to say whether or not they liked it and that they actually played it. And, you know, the other thing for me is that, like, we're playing these games and other people are playing these games and we're buying these games and these bigger companies are not buying these games. They're getting codes. They're getting free downloads and they still can't be bothered to try the game. Yeah, you're right. So like that, I think that bothers me more because, you know, you and I, like we're, we're putting out money to, to play these games and like, we're putting our opinions out there for people because we want to. And I would love to get every game for free. It would save me a lot of money. It would save you a lot of money for other things, but we, we pay for it because it's the hobby we enjoy. And it just like rubs me the wrong way, knowing that they don't have to pay for these games and they still won't even take the time. So. Or it's something, and it's something along the lines. And I've been thinking about this for a while. Mm-hmm. Where if if we were to ever get big enough to get free codes, mm-hmm. and it's a game that we're gonna get anyway. Take for example, we'll use Final Fantasy VII remake. Yeah. If there's somebody who's on like the the fence about getting it, doesn't know if they can spend the sixty dollars to enjoy that game. Mm-hmm. If we were to get a free code, and we've already bought the game, you can give out that code to somebody else. Right. Who. Yeah. You know, that not only helps the um, the person that, you know, and you create a fanship or loyalty with that person, but you also, as a company, for take, for example, Square, have a chance to make a new fan mm-hmm. um, based on somebody who maybe not, who probably would maybe not have spent the 60 bucks. And if they end up liking the game, they're going to get part two when that right. comes out in 2030. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 2030. But uh, rant over. Mine's a little bit more heated than yours was, but uh, I'm done. <laughs> okay. So we'll go ahead and skip to our games played. And I swear it's definitely not as uh, heated as the rants were nope. or as nope. long going as the rants were. Uh, I didn't, I, I have reviews on both Assassin's Creed Origins and Odyssey. Okay. And I played a little bit of Near Automata because it's free on Game Pass now. And mm-hmm. for a lot of people, if you like role-playing games, Near Automata is really good. It was like a surprise hit from, I think, was isn't this game two years old now? Yeah, sure it's two, years two or old. three. Yeah, I think it's two. But I'll first start with my opinions on Assassin's Creed Origins and Odyssey because they, this is a weird thing that I haven't, I've like... I'm playing these sequels so close to each other mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm having like epiphanies in some way because I've never done this type of thing before. 
So I'll start with, I started on Assassin's Creed Origins. And for me, I'm not going to take, and I, and I'm taking this from a podcast I listened to, the Game Informer show. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to put price into it. Okay. I'm going to review the game for what it is. Because because in all honesty, if I put price in for Assassin's Creed Origins, it's 15 bucks right now from a lot of places. I don't want that to skew my review. So I'm going to take price out of all of my future reviews. I won't mention the price for the game. So Assassin's Creed Origins, the first one I played, has definitely shown its age with being kind of more of a launch game for the Xbox One X. Uh, the game looks good and I'm having a lot of fun with the story. My bigger problem is in technical uh, parts of the game. And I guess that's the point that's really holding me back from really falling into this game more than I'd like or as much as I have with Odyssey. For example, Origins, uh, and I told you about this, I, you know, they have a follow the road option and then you press Y to so that, you know, your mount camel horse will go straight to the objective that you pointed out. Mm-hmm. I press that, and then my mount does a full 360 and crashes into the market, and I can't get off my mount. So it's a simple restart. I get it. Um, my bigger problem was something that I came across with last night when uh, I'm taking a... Uh, I go ahead and steal supplies okay. for uh, for like someone that I'm trying to gain favor with. And where they want me to go, and you're almost there, like you can see it, is down a narrow path, but you're riding this cart. So I'm trying to finagle this cart without hitting people because <laughs> apparently I'm killing people when I'm hit, when I'm driving this cart because the game reminds me, you know, the Medjai don't kill people. They're protectors of people. So, and I'm trying to dodge people. So this cart just kind of finagles itself into a dead end. Mm-hmm. right when the objective is probably less than 10 meters away from me and there's no reverse on this cart it's just sitting there so i restart the game and i try to do it again and the camel thing finds its way back into this part where i can't back out so i've now reached this technical point twice where i can't move this cart backward to reach the objective and i'm stuck and there is no way to get the object to reset other than to reset the game, do the battle over again, and then attempt and hope that I don't get stuck in the same area. I I wish I had gameplay of this so that I could show so I could show people what was happening. Mm-hmm. But these technical issues is uh is like something that really annoys me. And when I have to restart the game and play a battle over again, that's definitely not a way to make me want to play your game more. Right. Where I started Odyssey and I'm about probably two to three hours in now and the gameplay is very similar. So I don't feel, um, I don't feel burned out by this gameplay because I'm only really four hours into origins. So when I went to Odyssey, I'm not experiencing these bugs yet. Mm-hmm. So Odyssey right now, I'm enjoying a lot more one because it's Greek mythology. I get it. You know, I'm a white girl for Greek mythology. I've said it a million times. I'll say it again. Yeah. Uh, and Odyssey right now is definitely my – I didn't play it when it first came out because I was afraid to because the Assassin's Creed franchise has changed so much since I've played you know, Unity and the Ezio Collection and 
Assassin's Creed 3, because it's changed so much, it's kind of scared me off. But as of right now, two hours into Odyssey, I can definitely say buy it, even if it was a $60 price tag. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've when I, I'm surprisingly liking the decisions I can make, you know, I can decide not to take on side quests, which I like because I've said before that many of these games start just burying you in side quests that you don't have the option of saying no to. So every time you go to take on a quest, you have these five, you know, 10 different side quests and you're like, well, which one do I tackle first? And then you're in the starting area for 10 plus hours of your, you know, of, of playing the game. And then you don't get into story at all. And then you lose interest in the game. Mm-hmm. In Odyssey, I've been able to, if I don't, if I feel like moving on, I don't have to do the side quest. I can just move on with my life. Right. So I think that's something that I'm really appreciating from Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Okay. Interesting. I still like, I played both of them, but I played them when they came out and not for very long, only for like an hour or two and just kind of bounced off of them. So like, I would be interested to give them another try. Um, it's just now's probably a good time to do it. There really isn't that much out there. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So I played a uh, collection as a collection of mana. Did I get that right? Hold on. Is it collection or secret of mana? I don't even know. Um, the collection I, is the one with multiple ones. Let's see. I think it's Secret of Mana. Yeah, Secret of Mana. Okay. Okay, yeah, that's the remaster. <laughs> that's that the, yeah, the remaster. Um, so I never played the original. I think it was on Super Nintendo, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. Um, never played the original, so I have no uh, stake in the games at all. Um, I've never played any of the Mana games at all. And... It looks good. They did a good job of, you know, the remaster. Um, It looks fairly modern. It's an interesting style of RPG. You you have a group of uh, six people when you start and you pick three. Um, And the story, I guess, kind of changes depending on who you pick. And it's more of an action RPG than a traditional RPG. Um, You have your attack button. You can cast spells. Kind of like how the Final Fantasy VII remake did it. Um, But for me... Since I don't really have any nostalgia for it, uh, I put a couple hours in. I probably won't go back. As you know, if if you have a nostalgia for the mana games or if you've played any of them, this is probably a buy because it's you could tell they put a lot of time and love into it. But it was just kind of a I bounced off of it pretty quick just because I could tell it really wasn't for me. So yeah, the the secret of mana games are always something that I've kind of adored from from the side, just because I'm already into so many like JRPG games as much as I am. Right. the The one thing I hear about Secret of Mana is that they just it definitely does look like a remaster. They did a lot of new stuff and added a lot of new things. Mm-hmm. I hear the voice acting is a little subpar though. <laughs> yeah, um, it's not the greatest. <laughs> yeah, which for a lot of for a lot of games you kind of have to nail voice acting especially in jrpgs when you're spending hundreds of hours with these characters right and the other thing too was you know i was i don't know any of these characters so when they tell you to pick your three you know the one that i ended up picking as my main character was i was just basically going off of he was like a hand-to-hand combat so he was attack heavy um and a little bit lighter on like the magic side and that's who I went with completely unaware after I picked him that he was a full-blown furry. Uh, he, t- <laughs> he turns into an animal, I guess. And uh, 
you know, I was like, oh, I, I may have picked the wrong one. I don't think this one's for me. Um, but it was an interesting intro to the game there. <laughs> but yeah, definitely a buy if you have, you know, the nostalgia for it or you like those series. If not, go ahead and pass. But I appreciate the work. Yeah, uh, especially when it comes to those games. I'm surprised that, you know, they saw enough of a response with the collection of Mana to release a remaster for Secret of Mana. Right. So there's there's definitely a fan base for it in the United States, at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, then for me, now it's only really an early impression so far. I never played Nier Automata, but I just heard that, you know, this game does a whole bunch with, uh, like integrating different gameplay styles into all one game and i already know about the ending and how convoluted that is that was spoiled for me but i still want to play the game regardless um after finishing the tutorial level uh which i didn't die on luckily because i hear that's a pain it is a pain die and then restart the whole entire thing again that is one of the endings though yeah yeah (laughs) but yeah it's annoying so uh right now like with my early impressions the near automata is pretty pretty good it's pretty great uh it's another rpg type game where you're leveling up you're kind of finagling the play style to wherever you however you want to do it i find myself really interested in this story uh where you know they're they're all about you know saving civilization then themselves aren't even humans and you're um you know, you're killing these robots who have just become sentient and are just trying to preserve themselves. Mm-hmm. So there's still a lot in the game that I don't know what's going on with. But uh, Nier Automata has definitely been one of the uh, has been one of the surprises for me. And I'm starting to understand why people liked it so much when it first came out. Yeah, it's a great game. Um, you, you know, you're going to end up playing through the game multiple times um, to get the whole story. Uh, but, you know, it, it changes enough every time you play through it to keep it you know not boring so it's a very good game it's it was one of my favorites the year that it came out and it's it's great to see it on game pass because i have it on uh playstation you actually got it for me the one year for christmas but uh now being able i'm a good friend (laughs) uh it's it's been cool to kind of play through it again because i did download it when i saw it on game pass and been kind of taking my time with it but it's such a great game yeah Uh, uh, the only other thing I played this week was also something that dropped on Game Pass. So they put uh, Final Fantasy IX on Game Pass, um, which Final Fantasy IX, for those who don't know, is actually my favorite Final Fantasy. I have, you know, a, a pretty big soft spot for Final Fantasy VII. Uh, Final Fantasy VIII is another big one for me, but Final Fantasy IX growing up was always my favorite. So I, I you know, put it back in and downloaded it off of Game Pass this week just to play it again. And quickly realized that they did absolutely no work to this. <laughs> um, I don't know if it's true or not, but I, there were rumors because this came out a while ago on uh, mobile. Like you could download to your phone. Okay. And I'm pretty I'm pretty sure this is the mobile port. It's not even like the PlayStation 1 port. Um, yeah, it, it looks okay. Um, it's definitely not a remaster or even, you know... Uh, put up to 4k or even 1080 it's straight playstation one graphics here um it doesn't control well and that's just a product of the time that it came out 
It's such a shame for me because, you know, it being my favorite Final Fantasy, this is one that I would love to see remastered, but we got a long way to go before I ever see that remastered. We still got to get through seven and probably eight. So this one's a pass. Um, if you really want to play it, play it on original PlayStation if you can find that. Um, if you can't, I, I guess play it on Xbox or just play it on your phone, I guess. <laughs> yeah, if you, if you play it on your phone, you at least have the chance of doing it mobile. Yeah. So if you're stuck in the doctor's office, play a battle or two, or yep. stuck somewhere else, you know, doing, some, you know, get get a couple battles out of the way. True. Yeah. Very true. So then we're gonna go ahead and head into our movie segment, which I did want to ask you first off: Did you finish Outer Banks? I just finished it today. Okay. So if you want to put like a mark, whatever time this is, so like if we randomly throw out some spoilers, people won't get mad. I'm pretty sure what I'm going to do right now is uh, we're going to go full spoilers because I feel like yep. it's hard to get into this series. <laughs> yeah, you have to. Um, about it. So uh, let me just go ahead at the uh, – I'm just going to announce and we're going to start uh, start talking about spoilers here uh, for just in a couple seconds. But if – without saying anything, your your opinion on this without spoiling anything. Without spoiling anything, this series was fantastic. All right. And then spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. Okay. Spoilers, spoilers, please. <laughs> if if you're going to watch it on your own, please go ahead and watch this because it's it's not the same when you hear us talk about it and then to watch it. Because this, this show is definitely all about shock value. Yeah. And uh, they do a really good job of doing it. Yep. So spoilers spoilers everywhere uh, all right we'll go ahead and get into it let me just say too before you get too far into it uh they are not fooling anybody when they try to say that these these uh kids are 16 years old because they are not yeah <laughs> <laughs> the most unrealistic thing in the show is the fact that they're all supposed to be 16 and they all look like they're about 25 yeah yeah the <laughs> JB has the chiseled jawline of a uh, of of a twenty two year old male. Just yes. you know, he's in college now or something like that. I'm I definitely... just I just assumed for the first like episode or two that they were just like college students, you know. But then like later on when they're like, oh yeah, I'm sixteen. I'm like, no, no, you're not. You're you're not. <laughs> but anyway, go ahead. So. For me, I've, I definitely recommend watching Outer Banks. I'll say that again before I start just going into spoilers. But for me, Outer Banks, and I talked about it in the last episode, mm-hmm. it didn't seem like my type of show just based on the the trailer reel that plays for Netflix and their shows when before you even click on it. it the trailer doesn't give anything away, which maybe now I understand that they may have done that on purpose. Right. In order to get the the shock value and the interesting storyline to grow with you as you went through. But the the trailer is just them going, oh, here are the different groups. And here's Sarah, who is from a wealthy family and has her Chad boyfriend named Topper. (laughs) Here are the pokes. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Yep. So, um, you know, and that's what kind of leaned me off of the series. Uh, but I, once I started watching it, it's, it's, it's a really fun ride yeah. to get into. And did you, did you go back and watch the beginning episodes or not? Y- yes, I did. Okay. Okay, cool. Cause I mean, 
like like I think I said last week, um, I go through the coming soon to Netflix and add stuff to my list. And I had added this one. And yeah, that trailer doesn't really give you too much, but it was just kind of like, oh, this has something to do with, you know, some sort of lost treasure. So that could be cool. I'll give it a shot. Even that first episode where, they're, you know, they do kind of just introduce everybody and tell you like, you know, this is the rich side of the island. This is the poor side of the island. I wasn't even I wasn't sold because I think I watched the first two episodes and then stopped for a couple days before I went back to it. because I was like, eh, it's OK. But man, once you hit like the third or fourth episode, it just starts hitting you fast until you get to the tenth and last episode there. Yeah, for the most part, like you, you keep waiting for the for the story to end and leave you on a cliffhanger, mm-hmm. which I'm I can tell that Netflix, like the way the story the way the the story ends is with the two main characters finding salvation, and I'm trying to be mm-hmm. as vague as possible here. <laughs> um and I I can I kind of feel like Netflix didn't know if this TV show was going to be a hit, so they kind of left it in a place where if this is the ending, it's okay that this is the ending. Yeah, but um, there's at least, there's so much not wrapped up though. Yeah, of course there is. <laughs> yeah. But if if this TV show wasn't a hit, mm-hmm. uh, or this Netflix original wasn't a hit, I feel like there are some people who are going to be like, okay, the two characters find the way to be with each other. You yeah. know, that's what matters to me. I'm happy about that. Right. But you know, there are there Sarah's dad is such an <laughs> asshole. Yes. Uh, and getting to learn how like, you know, everything he did to JB's dad mm-hmm. and like my main and kind of the whole drama with the Sarah family in general. Uh, I'm really excited for season two because like i think the most intriguing part of it to me is sarah's relationship with her father Mm -hmm. like do you stay loyal to your family or are you going to betray them for you know i'm a 16 year old and i'm dumb dumb in in love yeah so you know do do they go for that type of storyline or something like that um the fact that okay i'm just gonna start saying it you know the the moment that this show hooked me was when Sarah's father and I do you remember his name I keep calling him Sarah's father <laughs> uh, I'm blanking even though like I'm terrible with names in TV shows I never like I never it never clicks in my head and I never hold on to it uh, I could look it up though so Go like Sarah, Sarah's father when they're about to leave the country with the treasure and with Sarah because Sarah's the golden child it's Ward uh, Ward. Yeah, Ward and Sarah are about to leave. You know, JB gets on his, uh, you know, peacemaker Volkswagen car and stops the plane. And then Ward's son, who Mm -hmm. he is banned from the house and, you know, (laughs) made him feel like crap, comes and save him because literally Ward's son, oldest son, is crazy. Yeah, he's a nutcase. He's, He's hit this breaking point and the cop's about to arrest Ward, but, uh, ward's son shoot the cop and then like i'm waiting for it to end there but there are more episodes <laughs> yeah there's two more <laughs> yeah and they even have more stuff going on you know sarah's ex-boyfriend topper you know is he a bad you know is he a bad person or you know is he just you know, or is, is he is he the world's biggest simp <laughs> so my, I don't want to say he's a simp yet because until he dresses in Carol Baskin husband caveman and wears a leash, 
mm-hmm. you he still has the title of the world's like hugest biggest simp yeah <laughs> all right that's fair i think too like it's a a big compliment to the show that you know the main thing of this show is there's a sunken ship with 400 million dollars worth of gold on it and the whole thing of this show is these kids trying to find this gold because jb's dad uh you know had originally gotten uh uh close right john b's dad and uh and he died but they you know you get to the point where they find it and then you know you have that they try to sell some of it melt it down and sell some of it and you have the whole thing with uh sarah's dad ward kind of you know taking the gold but the last two or three episodes you just completely forget (laughs) that there's gold involved i think just because it's so crazy there's so much going on there's you know john b running from the cops because he's being framed for murder there's you know stuff with rafe which is you know ward's son being all crazy there's stuff with the drug dealer going on there's just like all this stuff and they're like oh yeah there's also 400 million dollars of gold on the way to the bahamas right now <laughs> that yeah i just kind of forgot about and got kind of caught up in all the craziness so. Yeah, and there, there's always something going on. Like mm-hmm. you know, you have Sarah's, you know, you know Sarah, Sarah's boyfriend Topper, you know, and hit all of his stuff. You have JJ and his abusive, you know, dr- yeah. drug, drug father. You have the relationship between uh, I, her her official name's Kelsey. I thought they were calling her Casey, uh, in in the show, and the relationship between her and Pope. Right. And then Poe, who is throwing away everything to do the gold stuff and the drug dealer, because, of course, his name's Barry. Um, <laughs> yep. and, you know, he's the he, he's he's secretly, you know, and I'm trying to watch my words here because I'm trying to make this uh, appropriate for it's kids. Too well. It's too late. It's too late. No, no, we're fine. I haven't I haven't cursed that much, uh, but. Like we, oh no, wait. Her name is Ki- uh, the the Kiara. relationship between Kiara. That's yep. it. Sorry, Kiara. Much, okay. So yeah, Kiara and Pope. That's the relationship between yeah. the two. But then you have Barry, who's trying to. It looks like, and I feel it's weird saying his name, but <laughs> yeah. uh, like looks like he's gonna try to help Rafe. You know, right. get his money back. There are so many ending timelines here, and with um, Sheriff Peterkin's friend that comes from the FBI mm-hmm. and I'm trying to get the character name for him. Yeah. Uh, I don't even see him on here. Uh, yeah. I don't, he was in like the last two episodes. Yeah. But it, it feels like he knows something's going on. Mm-hmm. So I feel like, you know, maybe there's a chance the detective Peterkin uh, knows more or, or was able to get somebody to, you know, debrief him on all the information in case something happened to her so it just feels like all of these like storylines eventually need to wrap up right uh, you know a little bit and the way it ends is you know i was expecting both sarah and jb to die yep or you know out of out of love jb turns back and turns himself (laughs) into the cops and and you know then we have a whole season where sarah's fighting with her dad because her dad is a murderer and I think literally, I think clinically insane. <laughs> he might be the biggest uh, bummer for me in this entire show is, you know, I just finished the last episode this afternoon and uh, 
you know, it finishes and the credits come on. And immediately your first thought is, all right, I'm ready for season two. But then my immediate thought after that was, who knows when season two is going to come out? Because who knows when they're going to be able to film again? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So the biggest bummer to me is we may have to wait a while to get season two. And hopefully when it does come out, it it lives up to, you know, everybody's expectations. This kind of reminds me of that when the first season of Stranger Things came out on Netflix. And it was kind of the same thing. Like, I don't think Netflix knew how it was going to go. And it's just kind of taken off. So Netflix has been killing it with their series. But yeah, and like Outer Banks is just another one of those like really good drama series that has really kind of caught people's attention. Mm-hmm. And especially considering that, you know, we're, we're all stuck inside still due to COVID. I'm mm-hmm. going to try to mention COVID as many times as I can throughout <laughs> the week or every yep. podcast as possible. Yep. But uh, this this is another show that's really easy to binge after you get through maybe the first three or four episodes. Because yeah. that's when it really starts to ramp up. True. But yeah, definitely, definitely watch it. It's a uh, cannot be missed. Even I don't even think there's like I can't think of a group of people who wouldn't like it. Like it's got a little bit of something for everybody, I think. Yeah, like and it has this romance. It has mm-hmm. like the action, you know, the the scene between John B or JB and Ward on that boat is done really well. And there's yep. a lot of suspense between, you know, I'm. I, maybe I'm going into it with a Game of Thrones mentality, but I was waiting for them to go, oh no, you know, Ward's died. JB now has to figure out what to do with the body or something <laughs> like that, which isn't what happened. Right. But it's, I'm, it feels like they're on the verge of killing off these characters and they get you to believe that they're about to get either their justice that is due or they're about to die, but then they somehow revert it. And catch you hook, line, and sinker yet again. Yep. That scene where Rafe comes out of nowhere and is literally nuts and saves Ward. Yep. You know, is it was like what I I had to binge the rest <laughs> of the, the series. Yeah. After that, did not see that coming for sure. Caught me off guard. <laughs> uh, do you watch anything else? So uh, I did watch Birds of Prey uh, based okay. on your recommendation. I do like DC movies a lot. I was a little bit nervous about this one because this isn't, you know, the Justice League and it's not Batman. It's not Aquaman. It's not these really superpower sort Mm -hmm. of uh, sort of movie. It's, you know, it's based it's Margot Robbie playing Harley Quinn, who does a really good job. I really like Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn. Um, I do have to admit, like the, the story did seem like slow. Mm-hmm. at times and there were points where i was looking at my phone and not paying attention <laughs> but the the ending is a lot of fun it's you know it's it's this kind of wild action i want to call it where you know Har- you know harley quinn's on skates hitting people with a mallet we have huntress shooting people with a crossbow mm-hmm. and i knew who uh i'm trying to think what's Black Canary? Is that... Uh, let me see. Probably. <laughs> I, well, yeah, like, Black Canary, yep. Black Canary I knew had a superpower, so mm-hmm. I was waiting for them to reveal that, which they reveal it at the end, that, you know, her voice can go supersonic and can, uh, and, you know, pushes Harley into, you know, Ewan McGregor's villain, uh, villain who, Ewan McGregor, I just... I don't know what it is. I just can't get enough of him. He's great in Beauty and the Beast. He's great in 
uh, I like him in Star Wars. I like him in Harley Quinn. I don't know. Maybe I just have a weird crush on the guy. <laughs> maybe. That's not a bad thing, though. Yeah, but <laughs> Birds of Prey was a fun movie, and it's a fun ride. And it, I don't know much about I – I never read any of the comics for these things. So getting to learn more about the characters will hopefully also pay off in future movies. Yeah. And uh, they make they make a really good-looking egg sandwich. Uh, <laughs> yes they do I, I know i know i mentioned it to you but after watching that video i i i, cr- I made some eggs i was ready to <laughs> i was ready to have an egg sandwich and i'm gonna i'm gonna try the hot sauce i okay. i usually have it with ketchup but i might try some hot sauce all right i mean yeah for me like this is what they need to do like they need to build out these characters so instead of just jumping right to a justice league type movie like, you know, kind of build out the stories on these characters so we care about them more. Um, I know they had plans of doing, like, a movie for The Flash. I don't know if that's still in the works or not. But, like, this is a good step in the right direction for them, for sure. Uh, yeah, I, I guess, like, the main thing I will say, too, is like I, I kind of wish they were able to do more with the Joker. But I mm-hmm. know that they really don't have a constant actor playing Joker. So it's kind of hard to introduce him when, you know, you everybody bashed Jared Leto for playing mm-hmm. Joker for, you know, what, 20 minutes in a movie. And <laughs> yeah. then, so, you know, DC goes, OK, Jared Leto's done. We're going to find a new Joker, which at that point is just kind of like just give the dude a shot. Maybe they would put more of the Joker in it if everybody wasn't bashing, you know, every time DC does something wrong, which I feel like. I feel like DC definitely like they do need to do more right than wrong, especially how they considered like putting out or making a Justice League movie without setting up everybody's like original story Mm -hmm. kind of more where the Avengers did that in the correct way, I guess. Right. But uh, if people weren't, I feel like superhero movies are so harshly judged because and especially the DC franchise because people are all like, look at Endgame. Do you see Endgame? Do you see what that did? We have to do <laughs> yeah. that. Yep. Yeah, and I like I said, I think that's that was their problem. Like they jumped into it. Like we need a Justice League movie now, and didn't give us the proper time to really care about these characters like we did the Marvel universe. But they have the time now, so hopefully they continue. And this is definitely a step in the right direction. And now we kind of wait to see how the Batman movie ends up being. Doesn't look like it's going too well right now, but. We'll wait and see. I think Robert Pattinson could do good. Uh, yeah, I've I haven't said anything, but I watched Lifehouse. Okay, which that movie is weird as hell. Yeah, I still have to watch I, it. I I won't talk about it in this podcast, but this movie is like because I this movie isn't like a a real. It didn't. It's not being watched by millions of people. It's in a. It's in like it's shot in sixteen by four. So it looks like it's on an old TV and it's all in black and white. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, it's weird. <laughs> if you watch it, Craig, we can go ahead and do like, I, I want to do just a short segment on it because okay. of, uh, if, if you want to, but like that, that movie, like Willem Dafoe and like, I think Robert Pattinson is slowly gaining my trust as an actor mm-hmm. because of that movie. And okay. maybe he could do a good Batman because of it. Yeah, I'll definitely check it out. It was on my list. I just haven't gotten around to it. Um, let's see. I only have two other things I watched this week. Um, one real quick, I did watch Scoob, which is the Scooby-Doo movie that just came out. Um, first of all, I didn't realize how many people were in this movie. 
there are a, a ton of you know big names lending their voices to this movie. Um, this movie's okay. It's a kids' movie. I don't have a huge fondness for Scooby Doo. I did watch it growing up as a kid, but it was never one of my favorite things. But I think they do a fairly good job of kind of bringing it into a modern generation. I know a lot of people's complaints, and it's kind of my complaint as well, is they really don't like you have Scooby Doo and you have all the other people, you know, Fred and Velma and Daphne, but they split them up in this movie and it more so focuses on Scooby Doo and Shaggy, but also this, uh, the Blue Falcon, um, okay. who, is, who is a superhero voiced by Mark Wahlberg. Uh, I mean, it's, it's funny. There's some funny parts. There's some parts that are not so funny, didn't really land well. But if you're going to do a Scooby-Doo movie, you should probably stick to, you know, Scooby-Doo, the mystery machine, that kind of stuff and solving mysteries. This is more of like almost like a a kid superhero movie is what it turns out to be. And you can definitely tell that they're trying to set up a universe here because they throw a lot of uh, of the Hanna-Barbera cartoon characters throughout this movie. Like they kind of put them here and there. And it was interesting i don't know if that's their plan to do more movies with these characters but it just kind of threw me off the amount of them that were in this movie uh but you know if you have kids it's a watch if you don't and you don't have a fond of uh, thing for scooby-doo you can pass you're not going to be missing out on too much yeah like i will say a couple things about scoob and i've just been reading a lot of the reviews and i watched a video on it I do feel like, um, one, they missed an opportunity by not casting uh, Willie. Uh, sorry, I think. Uh, what's. Oh, no, I'm going to blank on his name. I had it in my head. Uh, the, the actor that originally plays Scooby Doo mm-hmm. in the older movies, which, if you give me a minute, I will have it. It is Matthew Lillard. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like he, he does such a good Scooby, like a, a shaggy voice that I feel like maybe they. They could have done a better job of casting him instead of Will Forte. Yeah, Will, For- good- Will Forte's Shaggy is not that great. It, you know what I mean? It's not this. It's not the the same type of voice that you want from a Shaggy. Well, especially considering like with me, who's grown up more right. with maybe Scooby Doo than you have. Mm-hmm. Like he, he, like his voice is so iconic, and Matthew Lillard really hits that really well. Mm-hmm. And really, the other thing that I keep hearing about this movie is that we have, and it's the same problem we ran into with some of the kids' movies, like, for example, Sonic. Mm-hmm. You know, you have these older people coming to see these movies because, one, of nostalgia, and two, because, you know, it's a movie and it's their job. I have, I'm reading a lot of reviews of these people bashing it because it's not for adults. Yeah. And these movies are for kids. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, my kid loved this movie. She thought it was hilarious. So, I mean, that's that's who they're aiming for as kids, not us. <laughs> so, I mean, they're probably aiming for our generation as far as, like, nostalgia, but they're going to make their money from kids wanting to see this movie. So, it's definitely aimed at kids and not at adults. So, I can't be mad at them because there wasn't enough adult humor in there for me. Yeah, and I'm not going to go – I'm, I'm going to stop. Like, I could probably go into a rant there as well like <laughs> yeah. when it comes to reviewing products when it's meant for kids. Yep. But it's definitely just like, you know, we – as a reviewer, you should be going – I think we should be going into it with a mind of where, one, 
you know, I'm going this as a moviegoer. I'm just going to see it. I have no connection with the franchise or anything like that, or you have that nostalgia. And then what it would be like for a kid. Maybe we should have like, you know, 10 year olds writing reviews for, yeah, for uh, uh, movies, for kids movies now, because I feel like they would understand it better than sometimes, you know, even I do with, uh, with some kids, with some kid movies, but you know, not yeah. going to go too far into it. I can go into a rant. Do you have any others before I get to my last one? No, it was pretty much Outer Banks and Birds of Prey that I watched. All right. So the last thing that I watched is I did watch all of The Last Dance, which was on ESPN. Um, Okay. Documentary on Michael Jordan. And for those who don't know, I'm a huge basketball fan. Um, I played five years of varsity in high school. And like basketball is my, will always be my favorite sport. Um, And also, I grew up with Michael Jordan. So, for me, this was, you know, right down my alley. It's very cool seeing things that I remember. Um, you know, it's focused on the last season that the Bulls were all together. So the 98 season. And they go back and they pretty much give you all of Michael's life story. Um, but the 98 season is what they're focused on the most, which was cool for me because I remember watching the 98 playoffs with my dad. So, I remember all these games and, you know, they give you all the behind the scenes stuff. And like they had recorded so much from this last season because they knew it was going to be the last season. And also on a side note, um, I don't know if you can still get to it or not, but when they aired these on ESPN, they aired it on ESPN and ESPN two. And on ESPN, on ESPN, it was the uncensored version. And on ESPN two, it was censored and it's so much better uncensored. (laughs) Um, (laughs) so I don't know, like, I'm assuming you could probably still stream the uncensored version. Uh, but hearing, you know, all that kind of stuff from like in the locker room and even, you know, they had a sit down interview with Michael Jordan that's playing throughout this 10 part series. And just, just the amount of F-bombs that are flying from Michael Jordan is great. It's hilarious. Uh, but for somebody like me, this was incredible and I was super pumped. You know, I was there every Sunday to watch this. Um, if you're not big into basketball, I still think there's enough there. I mean, everybody knows who Michael Jordan is. So, you know, hearing his story, you know, what happened to him, what happened to his dad. It's very, very cool. So I would say everybody should probably check it out. You may not get as much out of it as somebody like me who loves basketball, but I think there's enough there to keep everybody entertained. And it's got Dennis Rodman. So, you know, what else do you need? Yeah, he's a character. I have I, I know yeah. <laughs> I know definitely a lot less than you do about basketball. I still like it, but I know Dennis Rodman is a character all on his own. Right. And even for people who grew up, you know, maybe around the age I am and older, even if you didn't watch basketball, uh, you knew who Michael Jordan, Dennis Rodman, and Scottie Pippen were. So if they were just kind of a cultural thing, they they were basketball for the nineties and probably a little bit of the eighties as well. So definitely check that out. You could probably stream it somewhere on espn i would imagine i know they have their own streaming service yeah i do know it's on espn plus i do know that i know netflix had a hand in this documentary as well so i wouldn't be surprised if this shows up on netflix sometime soon as well but i would assume it'll probably stick on espn plus for a while yeah i I would go so too disney doesn't tend to let go of their stuff no uh, very often (laughs) no they don't but yeah that's the only other thing i watched well, uh, all right. Like uh, for the most part, this podcast running a little bit longer than usual. Yep. So hopefully you guys are sitting tight through it. <laughs> uh, 
we're going to go ahead and just end it here. Thank you guys for watching uh, episode 11 of the High Sensitivity Gaming Podcast. If you guys liked what you heard, please go ahead and follow us on Spotify. Follow us on Apple Podcasts. We're available on Anchor as well. On top of that, we do have a Twitter at high, H-I underscore sensitivity uh, on Twitter. So you can tweet at us with ideas or opinions that you have on games. I'm active on there, so I will tweet at you back. I We also have an email. So if you guys ha- have hypotheticals or questions for us, it's at highsensitivitypodcast@gmail.com. Hmm? We also have an Instagram, which is also <laughs> highsensitivitypodcast.com. Yep. Please follow that. We kind of post, uh, you know, news will pretty much be what we post on Instagram with pictures of mm-hmm. news that, you know, you may not have heard of. If, you know, if you're at work and you don't have time to watch a seven minute video on the news, we can post it right to our Instagram. And that way you'll know, oh, you know, gameplay for Valhalla is up. Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Cool. Yep. And then you can watch it when you get home. And also, uh, we started up a Twitch. So, uh <laughs> Come, come watch us on Twitch. We have uh, we've done three streams so far. It's been pretty fun. So yeah, I, I guess I can't. I guess we're gonna have to start splitting up the duties when it comes to sharing everything. <laughs> I was I was yep. almost out of breath with sharing all the stuff that we're on now. Yeah, so definitely check us out on Twitch. I, you know, we did some. I played some DJ Hero. You did some Smash, uh, and also I'm blanking Hades. on the name Hades, um, but also you know. I, I want to try and do some first looks at some new games that come out when they do come out. So hopefully you guys uh, check us out on there too. Yeah. Thanks again for all the support we've been getting so far, guys. If you guys are doing your best uh, in any way to share the podcast, hopefully we can do something back for you guys. I hope that's something that's one day we can repay mm-hmm. back, but even if it isn't, I'm do I'm doing this for fun. So is Craig. We're just having fun doing this, just in general, talking every week about games. Yeah. So, uh, thanks for all the support again, and we'll see you guys next time. Later.